pretty smart ladies. Because people have opinions. This is Bullies Follies, an Angreement podcast special with Michelle and Catherine. Hello. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bullies Follies, an Angreement special. And this is the last one. This This is is it. it. We will soon return you to your regularly scheduled agreement. We will. And I am ready for agreement to come back. I keep like finding things. I'm like, man, that would be good for agreement. But by the time we come back, it won't be timely anymore. So yeah. Same. So if for some reason you have tuned into this final episode as your first episode, bad idea. Yeah, but don't I'll do ex- that. Don't do- I'll explain it. This is Foley's Follies where Michelle and I, Catherine, Decided we wanted to learn about Foley art, which yeah, is... Yeah, I, w- I like that you said learn about Foley art, because I don't think that we have learned to be Foley artists, and I don't want to give that impression. That No, if anything, I think we started this out to be like, we'll learn the art of Foley, and what we have learned is that is impossible for us in this short amount of time without professional help. So we are learning about it, and we are taking a swing near it not even at it yeah we're We're like the people who go into the art museum and do the fun little like activities at the kids table that they set up that's what we're doing exactly we have our worksheets in hand we're doing the search and find in the art museum we're in the children's room perfect perfect so each week on Foley's Follies we do a reading from the Foley Grail which is a book on Foley art from a very professional Foley artist. Then learned a lot from her. So much, so much. I've learned how much I don't know, which is the best thing. That's the best always to know what you don't know. And then inspired by the reading, we each make a sound through Foley, which we share with each other. We haven't heard it. Guess what we were going for. Guess how we made it. Just sort of discuss the nuts and bolts of it. And then we put those sounds into the final section, which is our ongoing narrative story. Which, as we tell you every week, we don't know what it is yet because we're recording that after we record all of these. So you're in some weird Tarantino-esque editing bizarro land. Right. We've written some of the script, not all of the script. But we trust that you have heard it and that it's fantastic. It's the best. We've already been nominated for many, many potties. What what do podcasts get? There isn't a word for podcast. What is it? It should be called the potty. <laughs> so this is the final section. It is. We are combining. So for those of you who are reading along at home, because I'm sure that you all went and bought all the book yeah, and have yeah. been reading closely. We've spiked sales. So just to just to make sure you're not confused as you are reading along at home, we did combine um, sections six and seven just because seven was really short and we wanted to. And we are also our, the, the story's arc lent itself well to this being our conclusion. So it just all worked out. So this is the final episode, but we are talking about um, sections, our part 
six and seven today. I loved these sections. Yeah, this was fantastic. I have to say it made me laugh and laugh because we have been reiterating that this book is really great. It is for probably students who are already interested in Foley, people in a classroom setting and a professional setting, because it doesn't give you any how-tos. There's no recipes, if you will. And yet, <laughs> this, this is literally please. recipes, literally like, here are some things you could use to make this sound. This is some of the ideas you can start with for this. And I love the discussion of chefs versus cooks. Yes. And, and this idea of like that you have to be both. And so I think if my understanding of it, and you can tell me if you interpret it the same way. So the chef is creating something from scratch, right? The chef has an understanding of experiences. Like they've tasted all of these meals. They have broken them down into their separate components and they're going to school for it. They have extensive training. Whereas the cook is following somebody else's recipe. Like maybe they deviate from it now and then, but for the most part, they are not in inventive mode. They are in like a very practical, like I need to eat tonight. And so I'm going to make this meal come together mode. And I really like how she kind of makes that distinction without necessarily, I mean, there's a hierarchy, right? Like obviously the chef is better trained, but I don't think that she says like, oh, you shouldn't be a cook. You should be a chef. She's like, you know, whatever's going to get you your meal at the end of the day, that's what yeah, you do. You got to eat. I think if she was hating on the cooks entirely, she wouldn't give us these literal recipes at the right. end because she allows us to be cooks. I love it. I love it. There's, there's a whole, like it, like any good cookbook at the start that they're like, here's what your pantry should have. She has an extensive list of here are all the things you need. Um, it's and they're so all pretty like practical everyday items. Like I would like, I think we should just tell them some of them, right? Like they're broken down into sections. Yeah. I love that there's shoe ingredients. Um, it made me, some of those are obvious like sneakers, men's shoes, women's heels, but it really made me laugh that she has shoes that sound rich, shoes that sound poor, shoes that make you laugh. I, I guess yeah, we have a wide variety here. Um, and then under like prop ingredients, it's broken down into cloth types and kitchen items. She talks a lot about like cop items, like cop gear that comes up several times in this book. Yeah, I, the very first recipe is cop gear which is a baseball glove or leather purse, keys, handcuffs, deadbolt. And and it talks about how hard it is to like make that sound sound not over the top, like to sound realistic. I wonder if this is a quirk of like particular films that she has worked on that there's just a lot of cops or yeah. there's just a lot of cops in films. Like I, like I, when you think about it, cause we know she did um, die hard, die hard. But when you, when you do think about programming there are a ton of cop shows do you have yeah, all of like the law and order is usually going to have some action movies law and order which has a million iterations there's a lot can we talk about the coconuts for a minute because oh, sorry i screamed into the microphone um <laughs> i i'm gonna show coconuts. you i'm gonna do a visual on the podcast i'm gonna show my um marginalia to michelle oh yes <laughs> yep yep that's the correct marginalia next for to, this. Michelle's about to explain this to you, but next to it, I just have a star exclamation point question mark. Because, let me, uh, <laughs> horse footsteps, coconuts, 
meat we knew, baked we inside. We knew the coconuts. We knew the coconuts. Right, right. Monty Python. We, we were there. Coconuts, comma, meat baked inside, comma, hot glued in. And, let, and then there's no other mention about that. She doesn't tell you anything else. As if that's totally normal. And as if you're always baking meat inside your coconuts and gluing it there. Also, my favorite line of this entire book is on the (laughs) same page. So number 11, children's footsteps, lighter and smaller. The trick to children's footsteps is that they are faster, smaller, and lighter. Thank you. So you're going to explain, over explain that to me, but you won't tell me about the baked meat hot glued into a coconut? The meat coconuts, you just are on your own. That's fascinating. But children, in case you were unaware, are smaller than adults. Just and lighter. Lighter and faster. Sometimes faster. Faster. <laughs> this delighted me. There was a whole thing. Um, most of these, like, right, you know, like footsteps, cats, dogs, horses, water. But then number 18 was goop. Goop. <laughs> I underlined so much in that section because of the advice about the chicken. Because, you know, chicken makes a great goop sound, but it comes with risks. <laughs> Bacteria from a chicken is deadly when not cooked. Take the warning seriously. Lysol is your friend. It is expensive and full of bacteria, is, is the quote. It is expensive and full of bacteria. What isn't anymore? Yeah, very true. <laughs> yeah, I loved, I just was so delighted when we got to like literal recipes for how to make Foley. And you know what? I'm glad this wasn't chapter one, because if this had been chapter one, we would have dove in and thought we knew what we were doing and be like, we can, we can stock our closets full of cloth and cop gear and I can bake some meat into a coconut. And <laughs> no, I, she was right to put it at the end. She was right to put it in and be like, no, you have to understand that you do not understand before you get to this list of possibilities. It's a and fascinating, yeah. fascinating rhetorical move and it is the right one. And it just says so much about what Foley is and how it works and how this book works that we didn't get that till the end until we knew that we were not ready until we knew what we could not do and what we did not know only then were we allowed the secrets of goop and how just we're not we're I'm I I won't speak for you but I will probably never reach the level where I am ready for the secrets of goop probably always be an amateur which I don't know. I don't, I don't want to take us too far off track if you have more to say, but I am fascinated by the connections that I saw in this chapter and the conversation that is happening in the news right now about the AI generated art and the AI generated um, English papers. Oh, I want to talk about that. But I do want to say before we leave the topic of goop, oh, I was goop. like, what is that? What is that used for? What is What does she mean? Goop? Oh yeah. What is goop? And then I thought about one of my favorite instagram accounts which is called night lotion and um it's basically an account where in every television show and every movie in which a woman applies lotion to herself at night and it and like i guess cops and tv it happens so much more than you would think it happens constantly that women are applying lotion to themselves and i bet that's part of the goop oh yeah yeah that makes sense um, I also was fascinated by the fact that kissing sounds are really <laughs> the kissing their hands, you know, like the little like fifth grade, fifth graders 
learning how to kiss. That's that's what they're doing. I have to say before we leave that, um, that was going to be my sound. I thought kiss. about it too, but then I couldn't figure out a good way to fit it into the story. I was like, who's kissing? I did it. I made the sound and it was so disgusting <laughs> and unnerving and I hated it so much. I immediately deleted it. Oh, oh we don't even terrible. get to hear it. Nope. Nope. That, that one's gone. That one's gone forever. <laughs> it's never coming back. It was gross. <laughs> it sounded like a chicken. Like it sounded like I had my hand inside a chicken or something. It was there. I guess I'm a, maybe I'm a terrible kisser. I don't know. So the AI generated art and such. So I, I'm sure that you being in the art world have seen a bajillion things about this, right? And it happened in Colorado. So it's yeah, it did. That, global to it. The, the AI I, generated art won a major, major art prize. And the guy's like, I didn't break any rules, right? Like he um, said in, in the medium that it was, he included the software he used. So I was... I haven't been like following it super closely, but I've seen lots of um, conversations about it coming up in different spheres of the internet that I am in. And then I read this article from Slate. This is for Slate's future tense column. And it came out <laughs> September 6th. Uh, it's by Aki Peritz. And it is, I probably mispronounced that, but um, it's titled AI is making it easier than ever for students to cheat. And it is going over this AI generated text. There's all these AI programs that are not technically plagiarism because it doesn't exist somewhere else. So, mm. and the students do have to do the work of like putting in information, right? So there we're talking about how there's this fine line between like, you know, students are even encouraged to use like the Grammarly software or the, um, not just the spell check, but the grammar check, which will tell you like, oh, this is too wordy or, oh, this is repetitive or, oh, this is an offensive term and like change your language for you. And so like, so Can where I just is the tell line? you how much trouble I have, not even with Grammarly, but just with word. If I use a curse word, it just gets bam underlined and then like we think you mean like that nope let no. me curse I mean the curse word I I have been around in this world I know what language is I chose this um so but they're they have this concern that they use the text generator pseudo right to do some um to play around with this a bit and they give some examples of like prompts that they put in and then what it spit back out at them and so they're just talking about how terrifying this is going to be for teachers and I am an English teacher. And one of their examples was about Romeo and Juliet, which I am teaching this semester to high schoolers. And so they said that they put in Romeo and Juliet is a play that explores many different topics, such as romance, betrayal, and tragedy. It has interesting characters that make it such a good story, even 400 years later. And the bot spit back out. Romeo, the main character, is a very passionate and immature young man who is torn between his love for Rosaline and his love for Juliet. He is also very rash and desperate to get Juliet and will do almost anything to win her. His desperation for Juliet is an interesting trait and is one that the younger kids can relate to, as well as older adults with first crushes. Romeo is an interesting character and is very different from how kids would imagine him to be. But he is also a great inspiration, showing that love is worth fighting for. So they're right. But if somebody turned that in, I would not assume it was plagiarized. Because oh, I know, be like, absolutely. Because you would you would grade that and say... That's a lot of words to say nothing. Well, There's and it's not correct. Like, obviously, because they didn't put in the word Rosaline. They didn't even put in 
Like, so obviously the bot has a bank of words that it knows are related to these terms that it's spitting back out in a way that it's would so suggest, interesting like, that Rosaline comes up. How much does that come up in the play? Rosaline like, literally never appears on stage. Right. So she, she's, she's just all, mentioned but, by Romeo. But it says he's torn between his love for Rosaline and his love for Juliet. Yeah. And a major plot point is that he's not torn at all. That as soon as he sees Juliet, he's like, fuck that girl I'm pining over like who cares about her anymore and then it says he is also very rash and desperate to get Juliet and will do almost anything to win her when there's a huge plot point where Juliet says like do you want me to play hard to get because I will if you are gonna make me but I really would rather just like make out with you right now so can we just skip that like he doesn't have to do be desperate and do anything to win her because the whole point is that they are so equally smitten with one another that she won't even go through the motions that she's supposed to to like play hard to get so I mean, so as a consider myself a good teacher, I wouldn't be like, did a bot write this? I would be like, are you sure you understood? Like, can you, did you read it? Yeah. Like, did you, did you read this? Can you point to some lines that help support this? And so I'm not saying that bots are not a concern in the classroom. I, I do think that this can allow for some academic dishonesty and it 100% will get through a lot of teachers who are being forced to grade papers in three minutes because they that's have to- the thing right that that's gonna it, it could if you have to do a quick pass if you don't have time to grade it could look okay or if you're doing it through some sort of keyword bot grader but then why should we ask students to do any better if that's how we're grading them that yes. so that's where i'm like yeah. what what motivation should students have to do a good job if they know they're turning it in for someone to just glance at and be like those look like sentences those are words no like, exactly i think if you can't catch that then they all, fair play yeah. fair play yeah and and so i'm just i'm really fascinated by this conversation and also with the with the ai art like so um my partner and i actually got into an argument about this he's like that's not art it's not art if you programmed it but i'm like yes it is i'm like I, so, and then i was i pulled up the what is it crayon the the yeah where you can like type in anything i was like look i'm gonna make a picture of al pacino eating pancakes on a horse and he was like what are you doing i love you i there i don't know what it is but whenever I type things into that, mine are so boring. And the ones you tell me you do are art. It is art. Like you are a crayon. It's crayon, but AI in it instead of AY artist. Like you are so good at the prompts, but that's the thing, right? Um, I would tell your partner to go read a book called Secret Knowledge by David Hockney. And it's about how all of these amazing painters like Caravaggio, other painters who are just thought to be just given, struck by lightning by God, that they didn't have a ton of training. They were just innately amazing painters. Then when people x-ray their paintings, there are no sketch lines. There'll be like two lines to mark the space and no sketch lines. But he proved, at least to me, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that they're using optical tools and they're basically doing like a camera obscura, it's basically photography where they would project the image. And so those lines are because they would have models. And that just is a space where the models line up when they come back to it and they project it and then they trace it. It's like tracing. But he goes, he's, he's an artist too. And he's very firm in saying, this doesn't devalue the art. 
these tools are very hard to use. Not just anyone could go and use them. And if you can master them in such a way, you are a true artist. And so I feel that way about technology. If you can master it, that takes skill. Creating it takes skill. We shouldn't be afraid to use them to make art. It's been done forever. And I don't want to make a slippery slope argument, but like everything is technology. Like, am I supposed to say, well, you use a paintbrush. So that doesn't, that's not real art. If you use a paintbrush or, you know, like you use a different, a new technology of a type of paint or a new technology in the type of canvas. Like there's constantly progressions in the technology. And so I was comparing it to like, clothing, right? Like most of my clothing was made in a factory. It was not hand sewn, but there are like, I could go buy like an artisanal handmade sweater at great expense, rightfully, because it took somebody a lot of time to do it probably at higher quality though. Not always. Right. I bought some high quality handmade things and I'm like, Oh, that did not last. Well, and I just don't think that I don't think it is as simple as the things produced, mass produced, or the things produced primarily by putting inputs into machines. And I also, like, I still think that it takes an artist to create the things that are put into that machine that end up, like, did, did you watch the the LuLaRoe documentary? Yes. <laughs> so when they were All like- those poor artists that had to make a million patterns right, a day. Right. But it, but they are artists and well, they're doing well, that work. And you saw what happened when they weren't allowed this space to be artists anymore, right? That's yeah. when you got the like ridiculous prints that had like <laughs> penis bananas right in the wrong place. And like, if you don't, if you don't appreciate the art and the time it takes to make art, you're eventually going to tip over the line where it just becomes nonsense. Or yeah, obscene, like the, right? when you type into crayon AI, I'm going to call it that. When you type in like cats in space eating pizza, the images are identifiable as that, but they're not great images. They're not, they have an aesthetic all their own that I love, but they're not like photorealistic. They're not well painted or anything. Um, And to that point, this artist who used the AI to win the contest said he won it, but he also had to take a lot of time fixing it up, going through it using various, you know, kind of Photoshop style things and his own hand to change it. And he, he spent time with it. He did that work. And I think that speaks, it's the same thing, right? That we have these tools and you can be a master of them or not. And I think that's the artistry is how good are you at using these tools? Well, and I was thinking about like, I use Canva for so many things that I do for work and I would not be able to do my job if I had to send it out to a professional to create graphic designed elements for every single thing I did. Cause half the time, like, I mean, not to tell you how much, how the sausage gets made, but like half the time I'm like, oh, I am teaching a class in an hour. I need to create this presentation for the class I'm teaching in an hour, right? Like I could not, I could not function if I had to send it out to an artist and do this back and forth to get it exactly the way I wanted every single time I wanted to create something. That is not to say that I don't understand the value of what those true graphic design artists do. And it's not to say that I don't see a difference between the quality that they produce and the quality that I produce, but there's also just a functionality. And I mean, it it's not just because I'm relying on a tool that makes it easier for me. I mean, I can't just grab their template and drop my stuff into it. Like I still have to do work. It's not, yeah. I, I am still designing. And so I just, I don't know. I feel like this conversation 
people just want to take such a hard line on it. It's either just like trolling, like, ha ha, the robots can make art or such an offense at it that we're not really paying attention to the nuance in a way that I think is, we're missing all the interesting stuff. Like we're missing the exactly. part that, where it's there's like reflection. So, there's so much. I Yeah, to just say technology bad, technology, not art, boo. It's just, it's bullshit. It makes me mad. The minute I saw people upset about this guy winning, I was just like, here we go. I've had students in my class when I'm like, hey, guess what, guys? Caravaggio used tools and they they get offended. And they're like, no, he was just talented. He was just talented. He had a God-given gift. Some people, and this is why I think people have a problem with it. Some people are just that talented, period. Is this, is this the same as the people who think they're all like future billionaires? Does everybody- right. No, no, it's this, think- right- yeah. They're like the future savants, right? Like someday I'm going to suddenly be overcome with this talent. Like, it, I, and I just, I mean, it's the same thing, right? Like, no. It's we, this rugged individualism. Yeah. It's this striving. It's this, it's this very single person. I work alone. I'm great alone. Bullshit, which is never true. And we're all grinding it out with a combination of the skills we're building along the way, our innate talents, and the tools that are a collective collaboration with the rest of the society around us yeah and that i mean i think that's just the answer and it's not very sexy right like and the tools are part of that collaboration period if we don't acknowledge that like take your fucking glasses off take off your shoes so all of this the reason i'm bringing this up for those of you listening going oh yeah this this is a podcast (laughs) (laughs) is there's a very large portion of this final section where she once again is kind of like, and these consumers who are buying all their tools who are trying to destroy fully from the inside. Um, and and that's not to say that these are not legitimate concerns. Like I am not dismissing the fact the fact is is that capitalism drives a lot of decisions and that if a tool can be used to do it cheaper and cut the artists out of it, it will be. And that is a problem for the very yeah. reasons we were just talking about, right? With It's the LuLaRoe prints all over again, right? Like if you want good high quality stuff, you need to pay the artist and give them the space to do their job. I absolutely agree with that premise. But I do think that some of these arguments she's making are just like, so she says here, this is on page 227. Another set of issues that typically arise in the film school curriculum, which she also seems to have some real thoughts about academia. Oh my gosh. The whole like final second to last section is about, it, it was so funny as an academic, as a former academic, that made me laugh and laugh. How she's like, sometimes these two worlds can get along, but boy, howdy, does academia make it hard? <laughs> like, yeah, they make everything hard. Yep. <laughs> yep. We now live in a highly technological society. It is relatively inexpensive for the interested consumer to purchase consumer or prosumer hardware and gadgets that closely duplicate, at least superficially, the tasks accomplished by the expensive and hard-to-master professional filmmaking gear. This leads to a false sense of skill for the user. And I think that this is the same conversation, right? This is the same, like, 
what if what about when the tools get so good that somebody who hasn't done that much practice yeah. and that much skill and it also it just kind of sucks if you spent your life building a skill that then becomes obsolete or quaint right like absolutely it, it, and I mean I get that right like but it's I mean it's the same for all of us who spent all that time learning cursive or all of us who spent time learning how to quilt by hand it's not that that skill doesn't have any value it's just that it doesn't have the same marketable value and I I don't we were talking about like learning to use microfilm last week I'm not mad I know how to do that I'm not mad that I know how to write cursive and never do it's fine yeah and and so I think that I don't know I'm really just curious as to how we like I I imagine I'm kind of a um, I don't want to call myself an optimist because we talked about that uh, Rebecca Solnit book and I, I'm not an optimist because optimists just think everything is going to work out and I do not at all. Um, but I am hopeful. I am hopeful that there is a potential future that could be really great. And my hope is that we get to a point where these AI tools are great enough, where this technology is great enough, where we share the resources that we have created in an equitable way so that people can just do things because they love them, right? Like yeah. you can just learn Foley art because it's really fun, or you could just churn your own butter because that sounds interesting to do, right? Like I think that, and we see pieces of that all the time. We see people who have tapped into that kind of um, luxury time. and Luxury the, time. That's a perfect word for it. I spend so much of my time as like a freelancer thinking about the value of time and being uncomfortable with how to value time. And I just really want a world where we're allowed to play and we're allowed to explore and it doesn't have to have a monetary value. Like, I think that's why I love making this podcast so much because we absolutely, spend, we spend this a is lot such of a time gift. on this. For, so much time. <laughs> for no gain in the capitalist sense, right? Like we don't have sponsors. Nobody's paying us. This is not, I can't even like put this on a CV and be like, look at this very <laughs> professional thing I did. It is just fun, but I have to then back up off of that just because I am learning things, right? Like I am learning skills and I am learning. I, I don't, I don't it, it has value that cannot be easily quantified yeah quantified yeah, yeah. just because there's no money in it blah 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 I totally agree what a luxury to be able to say foley art is interesting we're gonna we're gonna spend what it's gonna end up being like three months yeah spend three months exploring this yeah it's a total luxury and you're right that 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 is what's being taken away from people is just time I think it's also why people love the Great British Bake Off so much, right? Yeah. They're not competing for money. They're Most, not saying they're not professionals, right? That that's what they do in their spare time, and they love it. And I think I don't, yeah, just that that you have a hobby you love, and I just agree. I don't know. I don't. I. I I'm not a pessimist. I'm not an optimist. I don't know how we get there. I'm an absurdist. I think you're an absurdist too. I want I want to convince you you're an absurdist, you know. What else are you going to do? I can't go on, I must go on. I I did I called myself an absurdist in an argument <gasps> uh with my partner 
recently. It makes it makes me sound like I argue with my partner a lot. These are good. These are angryment style arguments. Oh, like, absolutely. Like, I get that. Me and my partner are angry. And when so my I daughter was like a toddler, she would be strapped into the car seat and bored and go, "Hey, mom, can we have an argue?" And she would just, like <laughs> pick a topic, like what's better, circles or squares, and then like whatever one I picked, she'd be like, "Okay, I'm gonna go." Like, so yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> that's how that's my love language is arguing, but. My partner is sometimes like, I'm sorry, I don't want to fight. And I'm like, no, do it, do it. Get in um, the ring, get in the ring. Your kids are the children of a rhetorician and a lawyer. So that has to, yeah, I'm not surprised they want an argue. Can we please have an argue? <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's great. So, um, yeah. yeah. What else? I mean, the book, there was a lot interesting about this. Sorry to bring it back. We're having a nice talk. Um, There's a lot about this. I was really interested in, um, I don't know. I have a lot of post-its in here, but at the end, I think she did have fun to say, okay, here's some nuts and bolts. And there were so many photos of professional Foley artist setup which I'm always fascinated by. And this was another thing I was waiting for, like where are the Foley rooms and the Foley pits? Because that's one of the most fascinating to me parts of Foley that if you look it up, the spaces that they make Foley art in are very interesting. They'll have different, um, they call them pits, which are different surfaces, one with rocks, one with wood, one with cement or whatever, with dirt. Full of junk. Yeah, they're just fascinating spaces. I encourage you to just Google image search Foley rooms, Foley pits, but she um, talked about how there are some professional ones, but sometimes people, if they're good enough, if they're sought after enough, if they can, again, maybe have the time that they can make one, you know, just off their house to do in right there. Or I really, really was fascinated that there's a Foley artist named Andy Malcolm that he just, his whole house is just mic'd. He lives with that to make noises, everyday noises in his everyday house. Well, and there's and a very then, funny picture of the microphone set up in his bathroom. What in about front of the tub? Ju- Julian Naughton, who it says was originally from Paris, had the exact same Foley room built in multiple locations. He's like, no, it has to be exactly the same. So he has these little replicated, like just, that's fascinating. It's amazing. It's so, it's just Foley art. I just really, Everything I've read about Foley artists, of course, this is written by a Foley artist, so they're not going to tell stories about how they're terrible, but man, they just seem like fascinating people. Because there is no real conclusion, right? It's like, go out into the world, because uh, it's designed to be a textbook, so you're giving this advice to future Foley artists. So here it is, go out into the world, make art. So um, it ends with Foley Reflections, Final Thoughts of Experts, and it's just very short not really contextualized quotes from Foley artists. Yeah, some of them, it does make me think again that I would like Foley artists because um, none of them are super flowery. None of them are very hyperbolic. Um, some of them are very to the point. Um, some of them are a little dark. Yeah, some of them are dark. <laughs> it's just, some of it is, it just made me laugh at these like, Karen Rallo, when commenting on what a good Foley artist looks for in a footstep, you look at how he or she is portraying the character. So strange. That's the words of wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. You use your eyes and then you 
create that with sound. Miguel Barboso. Sometimes I have to rush a lot. Having different views and approaches are helpful. Yeah. Marco Costanzo, use your ears. When asked how he has decided what to use for a prop, it's what works at the time. Yep. Just be good at your job. Jerry Trent, most of the real things don't sound like the real things, which we learned. We learned through a whole chapter. (laughs) And I really loved, and I think it, it caps the conversation we were just having really well about AI and the technology. David Lee Fine, these days will be someone else's good old days. Yeah, which is a really... I think that's a very healthy attitude. Oh my gosh, though, my favorite by far was Julian Nowden. When asked to describe American Foley, playfully laughs, whoosh, whoosh. What does that mean? (laughs) I don't know what that means. (laughs) Does it mean we're too fast? Like, we don't take our time? That's, That's the one that had multiple buildings built for him, right? Yeah, that's the Parisian one. Yeah. Maybe, I guess. Yeah, if you're going to take the time to have the same set across the world, he probably thinks an American Foley artist are just flying by the seat of their pants. Mark Berger said, Foley is the dialogue of the body. Yeah, and that was the one that she chose to end on. I think that's a that's a beautiful one. Dialogue of the body. It was money well spent, this yeah. book. No, I, I mean, like I joked, like I'm sure you're all reading along at home, but like, leg- I mean, there's parts that you're going to need to skim because- unless you're trying to be a Foley artist, but I think it is a worthwhile read. Like, I think that it's a really interesting look into this artistry and that there's a lot that's applicable, even if you never try to make a Foley sound in your life. Like, I think it's just. I do have a lot of luxury time. I'm going to have that caveat. I have a lot of luxury time in my life right now, but man, I'm just so happy that I spent time with that. It was not time wasted. I'm better off for it. Although it did potentially destroy my ability to watch movies. I know I got a text from you last week and you were like, I'm watching this movie and I just, I can't stop. I can't stop thinking about the Foley. I can't stop hearing it. it. It's all like the night house, the like psychological thriller It came out in 2020 and there was so much Foley and it was so good because there was like, she was walking from her house and it's all the footsteps and it's the footsteps across this really fancy architectured house and then these footsteps on her concrete and then these footsteps down uh to the pier because she has to like she has a, a lake and she has a boat on it and so she has to go down onto the steps but then there are wet footsteps and I'm like oh my this portfolio artist had to because it was like all one take I'm like they had to line up all the feet with all the different shoes um, so many so. different pits next to each other <laughs> So, are we ready for sound? Sounds. You go first this week. Well, mine is incredibly short, incredibly short, and I only have one, so. That's fine, because as usual, I could not help myself, and I have several. Apologies. Okay. (laughs) That sounds like... It sounds like something. I mean, that's, it does sound like something. There are, there are definitely noises. But it it's kind of that sense of when you smell something and you're like, what does that smell like? That smells like something. Like I should know it and it's not hitting me. It's it's clanking. It sounds like, um, it sounds like somehow you have a bell that's you've deadened in some way. So this was inspired 
by page 216, which is in the recipes list where they're just giving you lists of things. I was very much hoping you would do a recipe, as did I. Um, and this is number 22, which is hugs. Hug yourself. Get the right clothing. And so I love that, by the way. Get the right clothing. Get the right clothing. I was like, what what clothing what is right? Mean? And so, I so I was like, well, who might hug in our story? I was like, well, they're almost all robots. You're a genius, Michelle. You're a genius. Let me hear that one more time. Yes. So this is robots hugging. <laughs> it's robots hugging. How did you make robots hugging? I covered myself in. <laughs> I totally laughed over it. You, I just love that. Okay. You covered yourself in wire hangers and hugged myself. That's amazing. That's amazing. This, that might be the, I think that might be the best sound. Ah, you've had a lot of good ones. The falling down the stairs, the one made by your son. Ooh, I think that's my favorite. The, 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 the vision of you covered in hangers, hugging yourself. <laughs> It was, I was like, oh my gosh, if somebody was looking in my house right now, what would they think? Like, like what, what is this woman doing? That's amazing. And I had to edit it out because I kept dropping the hangers. So I had to like, <laughs> find the clip. That... <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. I'm just so happy. It makes me so happy. Um, And then it immediately makes me sad because... I'm gonna I have three noises but I will send you this is like my official noise it sounds kind of like sawing I'm gonna listen to it again maybe like starting a fire like, <laughs> like, so, so great minds think alike. I too chose hugging. Oh, that's hugging. So, um, I, though I'm ashamed that I didn't think about like, I should make a robot. I was just like, I'll do hugging. Very straightforward. And I, again, I was like love... the padding, the padding. Yes. Because when I hug, I, I'm not a hugger. So every time I hug, I do the firm, like, okay, we're done here. Pet, pet, pet. Finish it up. Finish it up. <laughs> this is enough. So even when I hug myself alone in my house, I did a, okay, enough, mm. enough. So it was, again, if someone was looking in my house today too, I love that we were probably, we were just hugging each other Aww. ourselves in unison. But um, if someone was looking in my house, we look crazy because I just dumped out a ton of clothes on my bed put the microphone down and I just knelt in front of the microphone and hugged myself in different clothes in a variety of different clothes because I'm like what are the right clothes I have to find the right clothes right and they, she gives us no hints because she she wants to weed out the not real artists she's like right. you'll know the right clothes if you're a good fully artist I finally stupidly realized she means it should match what the people on screen are wearing I was like, oh, duh. But, but should he, it? Because she has this whole thing about how you can't judge the shoes by the way that they look. That just because exactly. it looks like fancy shoes. So I don't know. I don't know that that's what she means. And also, as everyone knows, we don't have visuals. So right. um, I did a lot of different clothes. And 
just for the sake of visuals and no one else can see, this was the right clothes. Okay. Okay. I have a heavy, um, it's a bulwark safety jacket, fireproof jacket that actually made noise. I had a lot of soft sweaters that didn't make any noise, but this was the one. I had a nylon jacket that sounded too crispy. So yeah. I, so we have to have, this is wonder, this is the ending and we have to have humans and robots hugging. I love Which it. means it's going to have to have an uplifting ending. Like we, our sounds just determined that, you know, with How home. nice that we have hugs. Yeah. I love that. So as I said, and apologies now, that's my official noise. We'll put in hugs, but it was so, these recipes, some of them were just so interesting and there was one I was really excited to try. And I'm like, oh, this makes so much sense. It's going to sound awesome. Your it, face is suggesting it didn't go as It fun. did. It did not sound awesome. And I'm going to have you listen to my first attempt. And I'll have you try to guess what it is and how I did it. And then I'm going to have you listen to my second attempt where I tried to really um, punch it up. So <laughs> here I'm excited. is. I'm ready. Here is the first one. So I initially thought maybe it was like writing, but it, it I think it's too much for that, right? Because like it would just be right. one giant line for all eternity. Um, so that was like maybe it's like the ice skating one because that was very specific. Is it? Is it the ice skating it's one? The ice skating one. Um, for her recipe for ice skating, she recommends a block of ice. Where do you get a block of ice? I don't have a block of ice, so I put an old cookie sheet with some water in it in the freezer thought that would freeze fast and then tried a knife because she recommends like a big knife against the ice and then also pens so they're writing there were yeah. pens involved um and I was like yeah and and I was um I was like yeah this is going to be perfect this is going to sound perfect and I listened back to it and I was like that doesn't sound anything like ice skating I was so into it too I was just going I was like yeah, feeling it um, and I was so disappointed that I said, you know what, maybe, maybe my problem is I don't know the movements of an ice skater. So like a true Foley artist, I pulled up on YouTube, one of my favorite figure skaters. I don't know if anyone remembers Surya Bonnelly, who was a French figure skater who I want to say 1998, maybe 1994 at the Nagasaki Olympics, hurt herself. She, she was like gonna win gold and then she injured herself and she knew she wasn't gonna win. And so just to like do something, she did like a backflip, which is completely illegal. And I just I remember, remember I was that. so obsessed with her. So I pulled up her performance and um, spoilers, this did not work either, but I want I want everyone to hear it. 
and I tried to fully with my ice and so you had it setup. playing like on mute and tried oh, to oh oh not on mute not because on mute. I thought that it would add something to have the music. I made sure that you couldn't hear her skates and you couldn't. So um I am excited. Oh my god. <laughs> working I don't think no I think that pieces of that worked like pieces of that like when you got the like the movement and it was like the short scrape where it was like you know the foot hitting and then turning but I think it's the whatever was like the probably when she was like you know putting her foot down like that sound yeah it, it was, where I was like she's up but coming down yeah, and it was yeah. too hard it was not graceful I think I would have to listen I tried to find videos where I could just hear them and most of it has like music and commentary over and it. nobody foley's in the olympics no you know what maybe that's a career maybe we should go to the olympic committee i do live in olympic city usa and i should say hey you know but you have to be like captioners who can foley it like in the moment you know like the i bet there are people that could do it oh but they don't know what's coming oh yeah that'd be the ultimate foley challenge I will say I had so much fun like watching and I feel like it did it did the closest I got to like actual foaling where I was watching something and like yeah trying to do it and that was really really it was fun but I don't think we can fit figure skating into our probably not I think um everyone's about to hear it if we do wow good for us but my official noise is hugging as is yours double hugs double hugs so get ready this is it this is the last installment and you know you know you're gonna have some double hugs (laughs) enjoy in our big box bonanza, the manager had been caught out by an actual customer. Horror of horrors. And the customer, well, her foot is bleeding. And as we all well know by now, I need to speak to the manager. Hey, you. Hey. Yeah, yeah, you limping loser. I want to talk to you. Okay, okay. Here I am. 
fine. Can you calm down? What in the world do you need? What can be this urgent? Well, I... And I... I I have a complaint. Uh, well, we can help with that. It's, uh, I guess, it's uh, what I'm here for. Um, now, what is your complaint? Well, I, I think, and I, and I, and the Complaint was revealed. The customer unburdened through the successful witnessing of her complaint. It was all she really needed to utter the complaint itself, not gain resolution or reasonable action towards said complaint. She needed to be heard. And the manager? He was pretty great at hearing. So cathartic was this action and such a good and stoic listener was the manager that word spread far and wide outside the store. Soon customers were pouring in by the dozens, then hundreds. Not to shop? No way. Just to complain. Just to speak. To the manager. All day, every day, the manager. Whose real name is Tim. I am not doing this with you right now. Spoil sport. Like I was saying. And so all day, every day, the manager whose name is Tim, are we all happy? Stood in the store in front of vast lines of people and witnessed their complaints. Heard them until one day. And so then everything just exploded. I mean, literally. And also figuratively, you know. I do, man. I do. Your complaint has like totally been heard. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm up. Finally. Okay. See this little guy? This little hobo dude right here, he's not, well, I don't know what he's initially designed for, but I don't think he's doing it. He's not working, you know. Uh, okay. Well, that shouldn't be too hard. Uh, let me see that little buddy. Huh. That looks fine. Let me... I have a complaint. <laughs> oh, you have a complaint? Uh, well, let me, uh... Tell me your complaint. 
God, he's working. Thank you. The ritual of complaining grew more advanced. Ghost started his own line right beside Manager, where he witnessed the complaints of robots. Until one day... Because that's when I had to put the table over the chair just to get to the back area, and the back... Oh my god, have I told you about the floor plan of this boat? Okay, well, I have... Have I told you about the new floor? I had one on the boat, okay? I'll start with that. So I had just torn out the old... Uh, I'm sorry, uh, but uh, what is your complaint exactly? Uh, um, I, don't, I don't think I know if I have one, um, but I, I feel like I have one, you know? Like, I, I need to be here. I need to complain. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Come here. Oh my god, that's just what I needed. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, who's next? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. Come here. hugged and that is why we now have a hug-based society with absolutely no problems to speak of no oh, that's it that's how you want me to end this thing yeah yeah it's nice no yeah perfect who doesn't like hugs plus as i'm writing this this line for me to speak later on which i'm speaking now it's like way past when I usually stop working and take a bath or something. So yeah, I'm going to say we ended here. And I'm pretty sure as soon as we finish recording this, I'm going to open the news to something horrible. And then by the time it goes live for people to hear it, there will be a different something horrible. So shocking. It makes us totally forget about the something horrible happening when we recorded it. And anyway, I'm, I'm going with hugs. You want something else? Don't worry. It's waiting for you. Totally. Hugs. 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 hugs.
Gessel as ghost. The music was written and performed by Grant Paul. 